The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Want to talk driving and talking about construction zones and driving through them. We've we've had a chat like this on the on this show before. Uh, in January in Alberta, the provincial government announced increased rules to help improve traffic through construction zones while trying to ensure workers were being better uh, protected. Um, the auto columnist for Post Media, Lorraine Summerfield, wrote about construction zones and the dangers of them in a new column today. She jumped joins us now. Hi, Lorraine. How you doing? You know what? I got to tell you, I uh, I drove, was it last summer, I drove from Toronto to Trenton. <laughs> and it had been a long time since I drove from Toronto to Trenton on the 401. And yeah. that was a gong show. And it's not fun. It, no, it's not fun. And and you're living that every day. And you know, around here, I mean, even you know, the QE two from from Edmonton to Calgary can be a bit of a you know, well, a lot nuts at the best of times. But you throw construction zones in there. You throw in a distraction and distracted driving now, and it's it's getting even worse. So your column today, um, I loved it because you were venting a little bit, and I think that's fantastic. But you were. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, you. Um, when you start talking about this, so what tipped this off for you? Um, was there was there one thing in particular that said, okay, you know what, I need to I need to write I need to write about this today? I think when it comes to construction, because we we all feel trapped in it, I thought it's time we have to turn this around the other way and realize that these people standing by the road doing their job, they're not the ones inconveniencing us, and we are at higher and higher rates, hurting them and killing them. So yeah. they're not the ones who you know, demand that this construction be done, but we get so angry and so upset that we're already in a bad frame of mind. And a lot of times, especially when you're slowing right down or you're stopped, you pull your phone out. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not supposed to, but people do. So when you top in that distraction, when I saw the study saying how just how much increasingly more dangerous it is for uh, construction workers to be on the road, we already know it for first responders and cops and tow trucks. And the slow down and pull over law has been here like nine years, ten years. <laughs> I've still got readers that don't know about it. Yeah, that's and what you uh, were saying, and it was. And I suspect that there's lots of folks here in Alberta that don't know the rules either, right? Right across the country. Well, if you've ever stood beside a, li- a live lane of traffic mm. that's even going fifty or sixty kilometers an hour, like forget a hundred. Yeah. If you've stood near one, you know it, it's it's whisker thin beside you, and you die. You die, and it's so dangerous. And construction workers, again, I think we're going, oh, this is a pain. I hate it. I hate it. And the, the lane's narrow. Yeah. They always get narrower. And if you've got trucks beside you, and you've got people that don't know the footprint that their car holds. So you see some people moving in a weird way, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. dude, do you not know how much space you're not taking up? Like, move over. <laughs> but the narrowing of the lanes, nobody slows down. They're supposed to. Nobody does. They're angry. And it's the workers that are... That are, risk. Yeah, that are paying for it. Lorraine Sommerfeld yeah. joining us this afternoon, the uh, auto columnist for Post Media. So tell us about this this new study uh, that you, you talk about in this column today. It was uh, published in the Transportation Research Record. Um, what did it look at? What, what they did, which was different, was you usually get stats. The cops will say, this is what happened. There was a collision. Someone died. Somebody got hurt, whatever. What they did was they went back across Oh, I can't, I forget the number, but 
they were they talked to people finding out what they were doing mm. before it happened. So that's a first. Hmm. Most of these studies don't do that. They look at the, the black and white numbers that either insurance companies get or the police statistics. But what this study did was they had access to what people were doing before it happened, and that was where the distraction came in. So this is people... I mean, frankly, distraction means your phone. It can mean yeah. you've got a hot coffee. It can mean eating. It can mean a lot of things. We've always been changing eight tracks or cassettes in our car. That's not new. So it's the phone. It's absolutely it's, the phone. It's, or messing with nav systems. So just another spotlight, really, on, on the dangers of, of having those phones or, you know, whatever. You know, some of these vehicles have so much um, stuff in them now. Right. I mean, my vehicle does something. It, it beeps at me on a regular basis, and I don't know why it's beeping. <laughs> I don't know why it's beeping at me. Usually I'll when I'm going... i my son out, and he can figure it out. Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Usually when I'm heading over a bridge, it, it beeps at me. But, yeah, there's, so, there's a lot of distractions on there. And, you know, have you talked about this or talked about this with, you know, um, you know, your contacts in the business about... Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. They don't like me very much. Well, um, yeah, I'm just... If someone says the word infotainment to me one more time, I'm going to scream. Well, and and that's and that's it, though. You'd think, you know, here we are trying to talk people into, you know, not being on their phone, not playing with whatever it is in their car. Um, we know that it's a, it's a problem. We know that there's uh, laws in place. We keep doing it. Um, what about, you know, something that would just kind of shut that business off when, when, the, when the ignition turns on? Actually, Ford's got a new one um, that's coming out that you can blank out the screen and only mm. get your speed reading, which would be good. But again, it's optional. I think what's happened, the manufacturers are they're pulled two ways, which are diametrically opposed. They want to be the first out of the gate to give you the opportunity to read your emails when you're driving. Like They want to be the first with that. And then what they're stuck doing is building in spectacular safety features so that their entertainment doesn't kill you. Yeah. And so they are putting all this stuff into the cars, which also makes the cars incredibly expensive to fix. Mm-hmm. But don't go banging them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but infotainment, I, we need information. We don't need entertainment. And I'm not talking about a radio. I'm talking about <laughs> all the other stuff that's pulled into it. And mucking with the GPS. Some of them lock you out. Some of them don't. They're getting better at it. But manufacturers, they're signed to consumers. Mm-hmm. If you do something that somebody doesn't like, they won't make the sales. So they have to give you this stuff and then protect you from yourself. And you're right. It, it doesn't make any sense at yeah. all. But we're not going backwards. They're never going to put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. So they keep increasing fines, demerits, all the rest of it. We have to teach the same way. I mean, my age, I'm 55. Um, driving with a seatbelt is just second nature. It wasn't to my parents. When we were little kids, we'd fly around in the back of the yeah. station wagon. Nobody cared. Now I, I back into my driveway, I put my seatbelt on. That's what we have to do with the generations coming up is make it second nature to not touch your phone. Yeah. How old is your son? I've got a 27 and 24-year-old. Yeah, so I've got a 28-year-old and a 24-year-old. And my 24-year-old, um, I have been in the vehicle with him when we've stopped at a stoplight and he pulls out his phone immediately. Yeah. And I've told him, I said, you can't do that. And he says, he says, you can't, I said, you can't do that. And he says, well, I can't, I'm not moving. Uh, no, 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 no. And I'm just like... Well, you can tell that to the officer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explain that to uh, Mr. right there. So you, you're saying if fines and license suspensions aren't enough stick, we need bigger sticks. What would bigger sticks be? Well, I mean, right now we've only got fines and demerits. There's not more... They just went up here in January here in Ontario, and it can get real dangerous. And what I want people to know is when you get busted with this, your insurance rates are going to go through the roof. Mm. 
and we'll get to the point if it happens twice, you'll be uninsurable. It's going to cost you 15000 bucks a year. So I try and scare people with the insurance benefit <laughs> because they don't want to touch you if you're doing it. But again, the behavior has to be altered at the root. And I know that this stuff, it's the same as when you gamble, the dopamine receptors that it sends into your brain, they're addictive. These phones are addictive. You hear a ping, you need to know who needs to contact mm-hmm. you right this second. We have to change the behavior because no matter how big the stick is, people are still going to do it. There's a, a hard line for people that still drive drunk. We can't get to them. The cops admit it. Yeah, you, this percentage. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Lorraine, I was going to bring that up. I mean, you talked about the seatbelts and how my parents, you know, and your parents didn't drive with them on. And, you know, probably we know all sorts of folks who, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, had no problem getting behind the wheel after, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever it is. And it's slowly changing. But boy, it has been a slow change. But you're right. I don't think it's ever going to be um, fixed on that front. And, and you know what, be honest with you, I have people texting in right now said, I'm not wearing a seatbelt. I know someone who got caught up in one and they died. Oh my, that's an old wives tale. You know what, I, I really would like to talk to that person because <laughs> I, I've heard this so many times and it's, it's BS. I'll tell you, if you get thrown clear, you're dead. You're not saved. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Mm-hmm. The best place for you to be is within that car with the airbags that have gone off in place with your seatbelt. The airbags will kill you if you don't have your seatbelt on. The two things work together. They work in conjunction. If you recline your seat, forget it. Yeah. If it's tilted back with your seatbelt on, you're going to shoot out like like a piece of soap. So those two things work together. So thinking, oh, i got airbags, I'm cool. No, 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 no. You won't be in the right position. The airbag will punch you in the head. So, you know, I think people should understand the physics of how cars work. The, the amount of money in R&D that goes into these safety systems is incredible and it's to save you and we've never had lower fatality rates until now we're bringing the phones back in and they're going back up again. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 frustrating to see say the least. Question for you, Lorraine: When you're when you're not driving, or if you're in the back seat of a vehicle, or if you get in an Uber or a taxi, do you put on your on your seatbelt? That's interesting. Um, I rarely I refuse to take Ubers because I have a real problem with how they operate okay. in our cities. <laughs> but. I noticed in cabs, we do change our behavior. Yeah. And if I take like a ride to the airport, it's like, put your seatbelt on. But I, I get in a, a shuttle, like a bus or something. And it's like, how come no one's putting their seatbelt mm-hmm. on? And I just did it recently. I was in, I can't remember where it was, Greece. I was in Greece and we're on a shuttle bus. And I'm going, I'm putting my seatbelt on. The other journalists are like, oh, I guess we have to. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I used to say it's because my kids were young and they need me. Now they're old and they don't, but I still put the seatbelt on. But you're right, our behavior changes like crazy when we're not in the right scenario, the one that is familiar. Yeah. So we have to be cognizant of that. And honestly, our kids learn from us. They start learning how to drive mm-hmm. the first time they're in a car with you, not when they're 16. They start when they're like a year or 18 months old. They're watching you. So it's, you ditch your phone. You, get, you put your seatbelt on. You do the right things. That's how they're learning. Hmm. So honestly, it's passive, a lot of it. Um, but they don't start learning when they're 16. You have to understand. They start learning before they're two because yeah. they're watching you. Yeah, so absolutely. no phone call is more important than focusing on the, you know, what's going on in the car and what's going on on the road, especially. Lorraine Sommerfeld, uh, the auto columnist at Post Media, laying it down this afternoon. You can check out her column. Uh, thank you, Lorraine. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk again. Take care. That's Lorraine Sommerfeld again. So you know, on that front, you know, you talk about it. I, I 
tip of the hat to to those folks, um, the the uh, the construction workers, the emergency response workers, uh, the tow truck operators who actually that is their workplace. I mean, you look around your workplace right now, how dangerous is it? Now, some of you do have very dangerous workplaces, I get. My workplace right now, the biggest danger would be me spilling my water on this board. That would be the biggest danger. Um, You know, physically, is there anything that can happen to me hurt-wise? No, it's driving to and from work. So, you know... Yeah, the whole cell phone, and that's what she's saying, um, is that that's that's the big thing, and we really need to be doing more. And I'm not sure how much habits are changing. Have they changed with you? We're talking about seatbelts. We're talking about distracted driving. And thanks again to Lorraine Sommerfeld, uh, uh, her recent column on the fact. It was it was a new study that was put out that was saying, you know, what was happening during construction zones and looked at construction zones and uh, what was the cause before there was an accident. And a majority of the time it was distraction. And she says that distraction, plain and simple, is cell phones. Let's uh, start with Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, yes, distractions, I think, play a big part in this, honestly. But one of the other things, though, that I think plays a part as to why construction workers get hurt is that we're not doing a good enough job of when construction zones are not active of taking down the signage so that people get accustomed to seeing the fact that there's nobody in a work zone and they push yeah. their luck a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know what? That uh, was one of that yeah. That was one of the changes that uh, the the former transportation minister Brian Mason announced uh, in January, saying that when the construction season begins, contractors will now be required to cover speed reduction signage in a construction zone where no workers are present, and if there are no safety concerns. So hopefully that uh, that starts and uh, you know and helps. But you're right because people see it and they're just like, ah, there's no one here. I'm just going to continue to 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 blare through at 80 or 90 or whatever it is. Well, totally. Look at the White Mud in 75th oh, Street. Yeah. So you have so many times where there is not a worker present. They, they are protected by barriers, but again, I'm all about safety. If somebody doesn't go home, that is a travesty, so we've got to yep. make sure they're safe. But when you also have the city of Edmonton, where for their photo radar vehicles, they bring out the construction vehicle with the flashing light. Mm-hmm. That way they can say that there was construction workers present, mm-hmm. so the fines are doubled. I know I'm opening up another can of worms here with that conversation. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're you're welcome on that. But, you know, that's my genuine concern that I have is that that literally we get apathetic to it because nothing changes. And, And, you know, I'm a staunch conservative. And it agrees me to think that the NDP did something that is, you know, <laughs> in everyone's right. But honestly, I agree with what they did about thinking, so we have to cover those signs. We just need to start doing it now and uh, and move forward. And just remember that that person that's working is somebody's dad, somebody's you know, wife, somebody's husband, and that, you know, they deserve a good life and to be able to live it along one as well. And Chris, appreciate your call. Always great to hear from you. Thanks for this. Thank you. Take care. Oh, hey, look who it is. It's Jed. Jed out in the road every single day. Hey, Jed. Hey, Jay. I leave uh, 5 o'clock in the morning from Edmonton. I go up into Saskatchewan right now. I'm on Highway 14 going into Tofield. Oh, yeah. Sunny and nice out here, but a little windy. (laughs) (laughs) I can see your clouds. What I find is I'm high, so I can look down into cars. It doesn't matter what city I'm in. People do not pay attention. Like you say, you come up to light, you bring out the phone. Hey, I'll, I'll admit, 
some of the worst people for it are truck drivers. Mm -hmm. I pass truck drivers coming at me every day. Really? They got the phone to their ear. Mm -hmm. Now, the worst part about it is I'm going against traffic all the time. They probably pass a thousand cars a day. It's that guy that I'm looking at that I'm coming towards. So many people do not pay attention to their surroundings. Yeah. And when yeah. you get into the construction zone area and stuff like that, you can look in your left mirror and you see some Yahoo coming up beside you. You know, it's just terrible. And you gotta you gotta drive the other person's car, sorry to say. But uh, your worst enemy is the other person driving. Well, in in a, in a lot of the cases, Jed, I wouldn't say in all of them, but a lot of them. But thanks well, for the call. <laughs> I, I see it all. <laughs> yeah, I know you do, and I appreciate you taking the time to you give me a shout this afternoon. Okay, thanks Dave. for this. Take you it easy. It. Okay, yeah, and David, uh, my pal David, you came over from England in '75. Yep. And you had the same seatbelt debate that I mentioned uh, with Lorraine. Yep, it was going on for years before that, but in England at that time, I don't know if it's still there. The government funded an organization called the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents. They were trusted. And when the fight against seatbelts started, because people were saying they're frightened, they'll be trapped in their vehicle, that organization analyzed thousands and thousands of accidents, and they concluded that 93 or 94% of the accidents would have been less severe as in the way of injuries if you'd been wearing a seatbelt hmm. yep. and 6 or 7%, it would have been worse. In other words, it caught fire and, and you wouldn't be able to get out. That's when I started wearing a seatbelt and I've been wearing it ever since. But like everybody else, you think, what happens if I get caught in it and it catches fire? It didn't. With the, with the construction, they have what... They can nail down rumble strips. Yeah. If it's a construction zone and it's going to be going on for some time, nail down a construction um, strips so that it gets people's attention. Put up a blasted great sign that shows <laughs> a, an adult with their kids saying, I want to go home tonight. It'll sicken people David. to the point where it might even change their behavior. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it. David out and on away as we had to break here. Uh, a couple of your um, texts coming in. From a peace officer's perspective, Chris is totally right. Signs are not often placed well, not showing resume speeds after it's over or covering signs that are not used is a huge problem and hard to expect uh, people. It's hard to expect people to obey signs when they're not la well laid out. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.